The Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last Sunday after church, knowing that I would be preaching today, I spent some time with today's gospel reading about a man usually referred to as the rich young ruler. This account shows up in three gospels, and in each he's described just a little differently. In Luke, he's called a ruler and extremely wealthy. In Matthew, he is young and has a lot of property, and in Mark, he's described as a man who had many possessions. So put them all together, and we have the rich young ruler who approached Jesus with a question. And then we have Jesus talking about how it's harder for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And after studying this uncomfortable text about wealth, for a couple of hours, I went to TJ Maxx and bought two very nice purses I did not need. (laughs) Anyone else feel a little squirmy when this reading rolls around? Okay, we aren't as wealthy as Warren Buffett, but compared to most of the world, 
Both the upper and the middle class of America is very well off indeed. Either we could all go to TJ Maxx, or since we're here, I suppose we might as well take a look at this reading. So, a man came running up to Jesus and respectfully knelt down before him. Something big was on his mind. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They talked. We learn that he is an upright and religious fellow, and he's kept the commandments from the time he was just a boy. Mark tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him. And in that looking and loving, Jesus saw something holding the man back, his wealth. Now keep in mind that in that culture, wealth was considered to be a sign of God's favor. So he was religious and rich. He had it all, didn't he? But Jesus saw him differently. Jesus, who saw so deeply into people, knew that Although this young man probably believed he owned his wonderful possessions, the man's possessions owned him. And so, to free him, to let him know that he was worth so much more than what he owned, to bring him into more abundant life, Jesus said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the rich young man heard it, he was shocked, and he went away grieving. Literally, he clouded over. He couldn't see it, couldn't do it. He went away. He had a lot of stuff, and he liked it a lot, probably as much as I like my purses and my jewelry and my candles and well enough said about all that. He was a really good guy, but his internal compass, that compass inside that says, here's the truth, here's joy, here's what's really important, here's what I love and trust the most, it didn't point to God. It pointed to his stuff. So he went away shocked and grieving. One scholar suggested that When Jesus asked him to sell all his possessions and take them to the poor, he wasn't only asking him to change his financial situation, which would be hard enough. Jesus was also asking him to change his relationship with the poor. Jesus has asked him to help the poor, but not from a safe distance. Instead, in such a way that he identify with them because he's now one of them. Yikes. Maybe that's why he's so sad. He doesn't want to surrender his lovely possessions, true, but they also represent his his high status, the respect of his friends, perhaps, a place of honor at their tables, his power as a mover and a shaker. His wealth gives him a certain insulation from the kinds of things that people who are poor must go through. If he gave it all up, He would be vulnerable right alongside them. He would need to rely entirely on God. No doubt Jesus was asking a lot. I mean, don't we work all our lives to avoid that kind of vulnerability? 
to have some security in our lives? I'm thinking the rich young ruler is not a stranger to us at all. I think we understand him very well. So what about us? Are all followers of Christ called to renounce their possessions? After all, Jesus himself encountered Zacchaeus and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, all described as wealthy, and he doesn't ask them to sell all they own. No, we are not all asked to sell everything we own and give the money to the poor. But maybe some of us are. Many Christians throughout history, for instance, St. Francis of Assisi, have felt exactly that call and have given up their great wealth to follow Christ more fully. You know, Francis lived 800 years ago, and we're still talking about him. And even as Lutherans, didn't we kind of love it when his namesake, Pope Francis, on a visit a few years ago, told the highest politicians in our land that he did not have time to dine with them because he was going to feed lunch to homeless people in Washington, D.C. The world perks up its ears when Christians act this way. And although it would not make sense for all Christians of the world to have no money or homes to live in, we are all asked to share what we have with the poor and the hungry just as generously as we possibly can, which might mean reordering our priorities, even choosing to give up some comforts, or making a fresh examination, as Rachel said, of the difference between our needs and our wants. When our compass is pointing to God, we will remember that even though we certainly work very hard for the material things we have, the ability to work and life itself are gifts of God. We remember that all the good, wisdom, talent, opportunity, family, friends, all the good of this life is a gift of a good and loving God. What we forget sometimes is that every godly gift holds within it God's hope that it be used for the good beyond ourselves. The rich man's gift of wealth held the hope of transforming the lives of the vulnerable poor around him and transforming his own life too. It's like that. We are invited to use our wealth and all our gifts as God hopes they will be used. So, I invite you to take a question to God in prayer. Lord, am I using my wealth and my gifts as you hope they will be used? Am I using my wealth and my gifts as you, Lord, hope they will be used? As someone has said, that compass that points toward God also points to what is just behind God, which is always community where everyone matters. Everyone. We're called into this caring, giving, inconvenient, sometimes hurting, messy, loving community. And while it may cost us something, while it may challenge us or change us, we get to be part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Nothing less than the love of God 
breathing into us and through us. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. In the name of Jesus, amen.